You're listening to For Eternity and Until, where together we uncover how to bring heaven to earth in our everyday choices and live the life we were created for. I'm your host, Tori Mayhine, and I'm so glad you're here. Let's get this party started. Hey, welcome back. We are going to finish the first chapter of Ephesians today. We are reading verses 15 through verse 23. Now, before we dive in, I want to tell you about one resource. We have a free PDF download that goes along with the content for this Bible study, and it's in the caption underneath this podcast link. So pause the recording and go ahead and grab that, download it to your phone and have it handy because there's going to be some questions at the very end of each lesson that you can go back and reflect on, maybe use it as journal prompts or use it in discussion groups if you want to do this with a friend. I hope that the first half of this chapter has blessed you with every blessing in the heavenly places. (laughs) See what I did there? And that you are becoming more aware, truly, of what it means to be in Christ. If you read through that first half of this chapter again, before sitting down to listen to the second half of this chapter, you'll notice that Paul says, in Christ over and over in Christ, through him, in him, in him, in him, in him. It's all in him, through him, by him, for him. Which places who at the center of this entire book? God and his work on the cross through Jesus Christ. In him, we have redemption, forgiveness, this grace, wisdom, and insight We've been let into the mystery of God's will and brought into the fold of unity because of what Jesus did for us, because of who God is. It all hinges on him. And at the very end of that first section that we read in the previous lesson, we learn that we are sealed by the promised Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit is our guarantee for us until we acquire possession in the fullness of all of these heavenly blessings. We experience it here on earth in part. So we're living in the awareness that we're working from victory, not for victory. God has already completed this work. These heavenly blessings are awaiting us in full in eternity. But in our until, we have access and we're sealed with the Holy Spirit to the praise of his glory. And so that sets up for us the content of what Paul is going to share in verses 15 through 23. So as always, I am going to read through the section first, and then we're going to go through it line by line and draw out all the good stuff. Verse 15, for this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you and what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints." And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ 
when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Okay, so starting at verse 15, Paul says, For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love toward the saints, I don't cease to give thanks for you and remembering you in my prayers. So the phrase, for this reason, he's you know directing our attention back to the very first part of this chapter, right? He's talking about all the things that he's talked about so far, these blessings that we have in heavenly places, this reality of our identity when we are in Christ both spiritually and physically and emotionally, not just for eternity, but in our until as well. This hope that we have in Christ for the praise of his glory and the sealing of the Holy Spirit. He's like, okay, all these things, now that I've said all these things, for this reason now is why I pray endlessly for you. He says, for this reason, referring back to all these things, and for the second reason that I've heard of your faith. And faith, he's going to say in chapter two, is a gift from God, not works of our own. So we can't boast about it. We can't earn it. It's a gift that God gives to us. He also mentions their love for God and their love for one another. And these are all things that real believers will always grow in, is their faith in God and their love for others. And so all of these things draw him in to pray. And not just pray sometimes and not just pray sometimes when they come to mind and whatever else, but to pray unceasingly, giving thanks for these people and remembering them in their prayers. So this explains kind of why and how and what we pray. And my question for myself reading this is, what prompts me to pray unceasingly about something? When was the last time that I really took the time to sit and pray for you know my fellow believers whether the people that i know personally or just the people that i've heard of their faith there's certain churches that i follow online or that i know of overseas and these works that are happening when was the last time that i really sat down and i gave thanks to god remembering them in my prayers praying consistently and generously for these people that really challenged me when you pray your prayers should be directed as adoration to god kind of like what paul already did in this chapter like praise be to god this is what he has done and i directed you in the last lesson take pieces of scripture and use them as a format for how you pray speak god's promises out loud over your life and your heart and back to him not because god needs a reminder but because you need the reminder And then what should characterize our prayers is this, you know, words of generosity and gratitude. When we're praying for others, are we grateful? Are we gracious? Is it generous? And is it consistent? When Paul begins asking God for specific things for this group of people, he asks for three things in particular, that they would know him, that they would know hope, and that they would know 
power. So verse 17, he says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom. So we know we're sealed with the presence of the Holy Spirit and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So it's this acknowledgement of his spirit and awareness of his spirit that brings wisdom into our lives. James 1 says that we can ask God for wisdom and that he's generously willing to give it to us ungrudgingly. It's a promise that I repeat over my life all the time. (laughs) Praise God, because I always need more wisdom. And it comes from his presence. But he says, you need to ask in faith and not doubting. So here's Paul in faith, not doubting, praying and petitioning before God, our Lord Jesus Christ, Father of glory. He says, give them the spirit of wisdom and reveal what? Reveal the knowledge of him. It always starts there. You become more aware. You understand more of who God is his character, his actions. Um, you, you encounter him through the word, through prayer, through each other in the church. You become more aware of him. It will enlighten your life. And that's what he says in verse 18, having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. So it's not just illuminating your eyes to see the things around you physically. It's open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Remember that old worship song? Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you. I want to see you. I want to see you not in altering my circumstances. He's not praying, God, change all the physical things around these people so they can better encounter you. He's like, no, the things that they're walking through, no matter what that looks like, Enlighten the eyes of their heart to become aware of you, aware of your presence. Holy Spirit, will you give these people wisdom, a knowledge of God, and a knowledge of this hope that is an unwavering hope that is anchored in what Christ has done, not in the circumstances around us. It says, know what is this hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Where do you store your treasure in your life? Do you know your worth? Do you know the riches of the inheritance that we have as the saints in Christ? We are the inheritance. Like we're awaiting, you know, we're going to be going to heaven and he came and he redeemed us. He bought us back. And we are the inheritance, but there's also an inheritance of salvation for us that we receive from Christ through his death that we then live out here on earth and take into eternity where we will spend eternity in heaven with him. This glorious inheritance should mark our lives and change every aspect of the way that we think and feel about ourselves, about God, about each other, about the function of the church. It's a treasure that is worth protecting. It's a treasure worth guarding and holding delicately in our lives. Gosh, I mean, as a product of the church, I have been in church my entire life. It's very easy to become bitter and take the brokenness that I've experienced through, you know, the bad examples in church leadership or the way that church is and just pick it apart and kind of, you know, just grow a little tired 
and weary when it comes to the whole church thing. You're hearing this a lot right now in our culture. I love Jesus, but I just don't love the church. It's kind of like saying, I love Tori, but I don't love her husband, Matt. (laughs) I'm like, that's not going to work out. If you don't like me uh, or if you don't like my husband, then we can't hang out. You know what I mean? Like we are one. God has fashioned this inheritance to work out through the church. And I mean, we're going to read a little bit more about this at the very end of this section in verse 23, but he says, I'm the head. And then the church is the body, the fullness of him who fills all and is in all. You can't have this in him identity without being in church, in community with the fellow believers, with the saints. This is how God designed it. So we have this richness of this glorious inheritance in the saints. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for those who believe according to the working of his great might? Whose power? God's power. Where is it working? In and through you. In you. When you place your faith in Jesus and you're sealed with the Holy Spirit, he gives you wisdom and knowledge and hope, but he also empowers you. This life that you've been called to live for the glory of God is not one that you can do on your own apart from God. He initiates the beginning, he sustains you in the middle, and he finalizes the end of your journey. Read what it says. He says, the immeasurable greatness of his power toward those who believe according to the working of his great his great might, which he worked in Christ. In Christ. There's that in Christ again. It is in him. He worked it in him. So if he did it in him, if he rose him, if his power was at work in Jesus, and you are now in Jesus, it's not this, I'm in him like a body of water. It's in him like the water you drink and is inside of you. He embodies you. Then In him, when he was raised from the dead and seated at the right hand of the throne of God, right hand, in heavenly places, you were also raised up. If if it happened for Jesus, then it's going to happen for you. If the riches of this glorious inheritance, these blessings are seated in the heavenly places, they're seated with Christ. And imagine just for a moment, this power at work in us, with Christ seated at the right hand of the throne of God. What do you think it's going to look like when he stands up? What do you think it's going to look like in the very end when the fullness of this power is revealed? And we know that he's restraining that in fullness because of his grace. He wants everyone to come to a place of repentance. But this moment is coming where he will no longer just be seated in rest for what he's accomplished so far, but he will stand up and fulfill the entirety of the end of the story and bring all things back into alignment with its original design, destroying sin and anyone identifying and choosing their will, which is sin, and reestablishing a new heaven and a new earth. This is the power that exists within us. And my challenge to you is, do you live like you're full of power? I know that's a challenge for me. That challenges my heart. It convicts me because there are certain things that I walk through and I just think, wow, this is so much bigger than me. Whether it's praying for a friend for cancer or if it's just homeschooling my kids, let's get real. I just need, I need an extra measure of the grace of God. (laughs) 
to get through my days sometimes, or if it's preparing for, you know, recordings like this, whatever we do, we need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit so that our selfish motivations don't cloud in the way of what God is really wanting us to do. You live in that full authority. And how far does this extend? He says in verse 21, far above all rule, all authority, all power, all dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. So how far reaching is this power that you have in Christ, sealed with the presence of his spirit? It says all, all rule, all authority, all power, all dominion. I think that the church is a little apathetic when it comes to the awareness of the spiritual battle that we wage and we war on a regular basis. We want to only think of it in physical terms, my, you know, feelings or my biology or, you know, my chemical imbalances in my brain, but there are spirits alive and at work all around us. Our spiritual life is very much our natural life. It exists as one in the same, like I said in the previous lesson. The more aware that we become of the enemy that we are waging against, waging war against, then the more strategic we can be when we're asking God for this wisdom and knowledge and hope and power in eliminating and defeating the work of the spiritual realm in our life. When you call out the name of Jesus, then demons have to flee. But but do not miss the fact that there is an enemy of your soul that is very much real and very much at rage against everything that aligns with the kingdom of God. That doesn't mean that we can blame everything on Satan. Sometimes it's just responsibility for us in our own flesh, our own decisions, our own reaping and sowing what's happening for us in our lives. But we live in a broken and fallen world and we have an enemy and we do not need to cower in fear about Satan and his demons and what they do and their presence around us in our regular life. But we also should not shy away and just imagine like they no longer exist but become aware. Ask God, give me power. Uh, Like, Help me become more aware of this power that is already at work in me because all things have been placed underneath his feet. And so in Christ, we are identified with this final work that is sealed in him and what he's done. Verse 22 says that he put all things underneath his feet. He gave him as head over all things. To who? The church. He put him as head over all things to the church. So the purpose around all of this is for the glory of God, the will of God to be fulfilled. But this fulfillment of God's will is it's worked out in us, you and me, God's church, God's people the saints of God. All things are put under his feet. He is our head, but we are the body. So it says in verse 23, which is his body, all things to the church, which is his body. We work out, God controls, he's the head, you know, he's the center point for this body to function correctly. He guides and directs and all of the functions go back to the brain, right? (laughs) He is the head. But we are the body 
and the fullness of him who fills all and is in all. He fills you. You have an essential role in the body of Christ. You have a role to play. So don't sit on the sidelines thinking, oh, that's for the pastors and it's for the teachers and it's for you know the influencers on Instagram or my Bible study leader or my mom or my fill in the blank for any person that you feel like is more equipped and more able to do God's work than you. Absolutely not. That's a lie from the enemy that we need to realign. You have been given a calling by God to be his body, to know him, to know this hope of glory that is yours as a sure inheritance in what Christ has done and to be filled with power so that you could wage war against the enemy and live in the purpose of God's will for us to be worked out through the church. Like this this greater picture really does totally illuminate the way that we live our everyday lives. The fullness of him who fills all and is all. This is the enjoyment of life. And this is why Christ cares so much for the church. He cares about you. He cares about his body. Do you? Do you care about his body? Or are there some parts of the body that need a little mending and a little bit of fixing up or maybe a little bit of surgery? <laughs> that might very well be true. It was true in my life. It still is. But even in that, there's a greater will that God is working together because he's uniting all things in him, both heaven on heaven and on earth, like it says in verse 10. He's uniting all things in heaven and on earth to him. And the greatest place that I've found for Christ to do this in my life is within the community of the church. Even with all of the brokenness and all of the, you know, falling short and everything else that I have experienced in the church, still it's within my experiences with the community of God. Like I cannot have relationship with God without having relationship with other believers. This is how it's worked out. Okay. So from here, I want you to reread this section out loud. Pause this recording, reread it. Ask yourself some questions. What stands out? Underline, highlight, circle things in your Bible. Maybe scribble a few notes. And then I want you to line by line, read through it and just turn it into a prayer. Just like you did with the first lesson. If you can really get good at praying scripture back out over your life and heart and back to God, this is how it gets into our bones. This is how we remember this truth in a more tangible and real way. Apply it to your life out loud. It's only a few verses, so it shouldn't take you a lot of time. And then go through the worksheet, answer some questions, or take these questions and call a friend and use it as a prompt for discussion with someone else. Let's engage in this blessed inheritance that we have in the saints as a community together. All right, until next time. Thanks, you guys. Hey, thanks so much for listening. If you have a second, leave a review or post a comment here on the podcast page. It helps this podcast to be seen by other people so we can spread this message far and wide. I cannot wait until next week and I'll talk to you soon.